I'm reading this morning from Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Valerie. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? That's the hope we have. It's the life we have, it's the joy we have, it's the peace we have because of our Lord Jesus Christ as we've believed upon him. The, the actor Jack Nicholson, who many of you know, a great actor I think, he was just in a movie called The Bucket List. And it's a, it's a movie that uh, Morgan Freeman is in it as well and, and the two of them are terminally ill and uh, so before uh, they literally kick the bucket, they want to go and, and live life out to the fullest. And uh, Jack Nicholson was interviewed uh, just speaking about life. And what are your thoughts about, you know, what it might come like when the day comes uh, that you pass away? And what's your thinking? What's your philosophy? And here was some of his response to questions of life and the value and his philosophy of how to live life. He said, I used to live life so freely. The mantra for my generation was, be your own man. And I always used to say, hey, whatever you can have, you can have whatever rules that you want, and I'm going to have mine. And then he says this, I'll accept the guilt, I'll pay the check, I'll do the time. I choose my way. And he says in this interview that that was his philosophical view of life. This is how he chose to live. And he says, I lived that way well into my 50s. And, and as I've gotten a little bit older, I've adjusted some in my thinking. But he finished up the interview saying this. We all want to go on forever, don't we? But we fear the unknown. Everybody goes to that wall and yet nobody knows what's on the other side. That's why we fear death. 
And that was the wrap-up of his interview. And one thing I know about my Lord, and as the Scripture reminds us this morning in Romans chapter 10, is we have a God who is unrelenting in his love and pursuit of us. And what he would say to Mr. Nicholson as well as to you and me and those who are searching is that, you know what, the guilt will overwhelm you, the shame will, will take over. You'll feel the burden of sin. You cannot pay the check. And you know, when you say that you'll serve the time, that time is a life sentence that leads to death. And what the Lord is offering to each and every one of us, and to Mr. Nicholson as well, is a way of salvation. And that way of salvation is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it was just read that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the good news of our Lord. That is the great news of our relationship with Jesus. That is life. And so Paul this morning in his incredible heart, which is the heart of God, says, oh, my prayer is that each and every one of these Israelites, that they would be saved. I desire that they would know what I know about Jesus. And as he saw their lives, he knew that they were not turning their lives over to Christ, but still living in the religiosity of the Jewish practices. That word desire, it it comes with incredible anguish. It comes with an incredible longing, a craving, a just a passion, a heart that, that breaks. And as I even read that first verse as I've been studying this passage, I think that's a great question for all of us, is do we desire that for those that we know have not come into a relationship with Christ Jesus? Our lives have been changed by the love of God as we've received him. And as we live in him and in his hope and in his life, Is it our desire, is it our longing that those that we come in contact with would be saved? I think we just need to let the Spirit minister that to us. You know, again, we all live in neighborhoods, and I've got neighbors that I know do not know Jesus, and I'm in good relationship with them. But some of the challenge spiritually, and I just pray this prayer, is, you know what? To be honest, Lord, I'm more concerned about me today than my neighbor. I'm kind of focused on number one. And I think, again, as we see God's heart and as we see Paul's heart, which is so reflective of the Lord, is that each and every one of us would pray. Pray for those who have not come to know the loving gift of God, His Son Jesus, that they might receive Him, know Him intimately and have saving life through Jesus Christ. I hope that's our prayer as a church. I hope that's our prayer individually. It's not something you muster up, you know, and I've got to make sure I feel this way. But let the Spirit really pour into your life His heart for those who don't know Him. And he says this. He says, oh, I long for them to be saved. And again, the heartbeat of God. Do you remember what First Timothy says? In chapter 2, Because you can't miss God's amazing 
love and desire for all of us, each and every one of us in this room and those in this world. He says, first of all, in 1 Timothy 2, he says, I want you to pray for all, pray for everything. Pray for your leaders. Pray for everybody that you come in contact. Pray for things that are going on in your life, around your world. He says, for this is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all men. Do you see the heart of God that Paul is laying out to Timothy? My desire is that all men would be saved. Each and every one. And he says this as he goes on, as his heart breaks for his friends, the Israelites, who he longs that they would know. He says, I can testify about them, they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. And since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, they sought to establish their own. I've had lots of opportunity to go to Israel, and many times when I've gone, it's wonderful there because you can just strike up conversation with people. A lot of people hang out in kind of the town squares or on the streets, just getting a cafe or something like that, and, and uh, or they're studying or whatever. It's just a... It's kind of a vibrant city that way. And some of the opportunities I've had over the years is to sit with some young men who are studying to be rabbis. And they have a passion for God. And as I talk to them, tell me about what you do and, and all of the work that goes into to knowing God. And the thing that I found out with them is that it wasn't just a to-do list, like this is something that I have to do here at the Western Wall, praying for God's deliverance. Praying for the Messiah. Look at all that gather. This is at the western wall of the Holy of Holies. Longing for the King to come. And so they pray fervently. The Torah broken out in the courts as they read and share God's good news. And the thing I found with this one young gentleman in particular was his incredible zeal for God. He loved God. It wasn't something he was faking. It wasn't something, again, just a to-do list, and this is, I'm going to become a rabbi. It was, I really want to know God, and I really want to pass that on. Zeal. Zeal has this idea of fervor. It has an idea that leads to jealousy, that there's only one God that I will worship. There is no other. And it breaks your heart when you go, Lord, your scripture says it's through your son, Jesus Christ. And I know they're passionate. And I know they long to know you. Would you reveal yourself to them? To those young Jewish soon-to-be rabbis who really do have a zeal for you, just like you did to Paul on the road to Damascus as he was pursuing to kill Christians because he had a zeal for God. And God got a hold of his life. Changed him upside down, just like he's done with many of us. And now our zeal is in Christ. 
And Paul couldn't help but shut up about it. He's like, I need you to know the righteousness that comes from God, and that is in his son, Jesus Christ. Of course they know. They have intellectual knowledge of God. They've been studying him their whole lives. But they don't know him. Intimate relationship with God because of his son, Jesus. That's the prayer for all who have not come to know Jesus Christ. Would they know God intimately through relationship, not through religiosity, not through all this practice, not through, again, the attempts, because zeal is not what leads us into salvation, into life. You can be a very sincere person. You can be a good churchgoer. You're faithful to come on Sundays. You enjoy the sweet fellowship. You, you, you enjoy learning about God. But he says zeal is not the deal. It really isn't. It's not. Zeal is not what leads us to salvation. It's a surrender. A surrender of our lives to Jesus Christ. And that's what they struggled with. They wanted salvation my way. They wanted to do it in their own strength. They knew God, but again, it was, it was this... They, they looked like they had a marriage, but it really they were just roommates. Missing the intimacy, the deep relationship with Jesus Christ. They knew all about the law. Again, lots of religiosity and no relationship. You know, one of the things that maybe you saw this article this week, but it was talking about how lots of people in the Protestant church and in the Protestant evangelical church are switching out of the church. And it was pretty significant numbers saying that, you know, they're just kind of leaving the church and some are going to no faith at all. Some are are switching to different uh, religion and, and just going different places. And I thought, why is that? What's going on that people are just switching out of their religion, out of their denomination? What's going on? And I think a lot of it has to do with a real sense that they've been practicing religion. They've been practicing church. And so they come and they go through the motions, looking for life. And yet all they've done is religion and spiritual practice. And so when that finally they get to a point where, well, that was a nice day, but I'm still looking for life. They're switching out, and they're looking, and they're longing. They know about God, but they have not known the right thing. They have not known Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what was going on with the Jews of the time. That's what we see a lot going on in our community. They know a lot of things about God, but they won't surrender the practice. They don't know the ongoing, beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're in a constant struggle to make life work. I will make it happen. Here's what Ephesians 4.18 says about this. You know, it made me think about that young Jewish, soon-to-be rabbi and, and all who are, again, in this world living, trying to make it work. Ephesians 4.18 says... They're darkened in their understanding. 
They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. This is what it says, due to the hardening of their hearts. It's this resistance. It again says, I will not trust God. I will not turn to God. God will not tell me what to do. I will live my own life. And every time we do that, the heart becomes hard. Eventually, where we just don't even hear, we don't respond. And yet God keeps trying to break through because he's unrelenting in his pursuit of us. They sought to establish their own, the scripture says in verse 3. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Unwilling to place themselves under his love unwilling to let them be Lord of their lives. I will not submit. I will not give in. I will create it my own way. Trying to develop our own righteousness. Never surrendering to what God had in plan from the beginning of time that there would be Messiah who would die for our sins, who would pay the price on the cross, who would give us life as we call upon his name, we shall be saved, who has said we are justified We are declared not guilty in him. Christ says, all of your attempts, Christ was sent because he is the end of the law. All of the ritual, all of the practice, all of the sacrifice, all pointed towards Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment. He's the one who, you say, I've got to have a guilt sin offering. I'm the sin offering. It all points to me. Paul is saying it points to our Savior, Jesus. All of the consequence and the the outcome of sin which leads to death, all of that was put on Christ. That His life is the one that paid the price for us. He is the righteousness. He is the end. The law which men were holding on to to get us to righteousness He says, I fulfilled it. These incredible attempts to make life again happen. Man, don't we do that? I mean, we just want to, in our own strength, in our own abilities, make life happen. And when sometimes, again, God doesn't do what we think he should, we we sometimes start looking elsewhere for ways to fix it all. And for many of the world, again, who are trying to get all the self-help books and are trying to somehow make it work, they come to this place where they realize it just doesn't. And some of you are at that place. Some of you who, again, maybe have come here for a long time and, and yet still haven't let Christ be Lord of your life. Actually submitted to him and said, Lord, take my life. You know, Evil Knievel, famous motorcycle stuntman, most famous, really, daredevil ever. <clears throat> he died just recently, but he did an interview in January of 2007. And when the uh, USA Today showed up to interview him, uh, he was an incredible, just frail state. He had 40 bones that were fractured. He broke his back seven times. He was in a coma for weeks. Some of you saw the jump at Caesar's uh, Palace in La- Las Vegas where he crashed hard. He's in a coma for quite a while. 
And when he was interviewed in January of 2007, there was a bunch of pins that held him together. He was hooked up to oxygen. He had synthetic heroin going into his spine because it was so painful. He'd been a heavy smoker and drinker, so his lungs were scarred with pulmonary fibrosis, which cannot be cured, could not be cured. And then he had just recently had a liver transplant that had saved his life for a little bit. He was 68 years old at the time of the interview. And as they were talking about kind of what was happening in his life and what he was thinking about, he said this. He said, I think about God a lot more than ever. If there is a heaven, I don't know anything else I can do to get there. I've jumped a lot of buses. I've done incredible feats, but I don't know anything else I can do to get there. And what Paul is bringing in the life of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there is a way of salvation. And evil can be overcome with life. And I don't know where evil can evil stood when he passed before God. But I know he stood before God. And I know God is just. But the good news is that Jesus has offered a way of salvation through him. The gift from his Father to each and every one of us who would call on the name of the Lord. And so the question for evil and for many out there, what else can I do? Well, there is a way of salvation. And Paul is saying, let me tell you about it because it's changed my life and I cannot help but tell you that you need to receive Jesus. You need to receive this righteousness from God and it's only in his Son And all your attempts and all your tries to somehow make it are not enough. And his prayer that they wouldn't miss the gift that is right before them. Again, they they cry out. He says, who will ascend into heaven? Who will descend into the deep? Again, these attempts to, to get to God, these attempts to conquer death. Who can bring God into that picture? Who's the one who can make it work? Who can bring about a a life that is perfect and and, and supposed to be this utopian life when we all know it's, it's a mess and life is full of pain? You know what's interesting about the the Jews is they knew it wasn't working. They did. And yet they still held on. We will make it happen. It's not working. Our lives are still in a mess. And we keep doing all of this and we feel all the guilt and we we just can't do it enough. And we know it doesn't work, but we're still going to do it. Because we're zealous, but for the wrong thing. Waiting, waiting, waiting for Messiah. And as we take 47, 48 to Israel this summer, we will enter into a city waiting for Messiah. And so honestly, we pray for the Jews. We pray for those Israelites there. That they would know the life of Christ. That their waiting can be fulfilled now through his son, Jesus. Moses, again, in his speech, it's a farewell speech in Deuteronomy 30, as he's out in the desert and he's like, hey, gang, 
Listen. Don't, don't keep trying to achieve. So here he knew justification by faith. He knew that it was a, a heart of faith, not about following all the ritual. I think God just gave that wonderful gift to him. And so he's, he's out in the desert with, with his gang of two million plus, saying, hey, listen, stop trying to ascend to heaven and descend to hell. It's not going to do it. Your efforts to make it work aren't going to work. There is a way. There is a Messiah. Have faith in the coming Messiah for them. And for us, it's the Messiah has arrived. Teaching them, even back then, about justification by faith. Declared not guilty because of believing in God that he will provide a way, that he is the one who will give us a way, and it's in his son, Jesus. Relationship with him. And so Paul cries out to evil Knievel and to Jack Nicholson and to each and every one who does not know Jesus. He says this in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, you not might be, not hopefully, you will be saved. Your life will be changed from within metamorphosis, the Greek says. You're a new creation in Christ. You become a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ. You are welcome into the family of God. You will be saved. To confess with our mouth, what does that mean? Does it mean you stand up right here and say, I believe Jesus is Lord. I need to let you know about it. That's a good thing to do. I see why not. That's one way to say. But what confess means is this. I agree with. I say the same thing as God. And what God says is it's in my son, Jesus Christ. That he is the one who gives us salvation because he paid that price. You cannot pay the bill, Jack. He did. You need to agree with me that I provided a way because your sin is just this heavy burden on your soul. I want to give you life and you keep living in death and you keep saying no to me and you keep wanting to walk away from me and you keep kicking me and you keep running from me and I'm still pursuing you, God says, because I love you. Would you turn and confess that you agree that I cannot do it anymore and it's only through Jesus Christ. And that you believe in your heart that you really come to a place where you you know it's this faith step that says, I know God is who he says he is and I know his son Jesus is who he says he is. The bread of life. And I believe he did not only die on that cross, I believe he rose again. And I believe that he has conquered death. And I believe that he can change my life. And I believe that he is the way. And when we confess with our mouth that we are in agreement with him, and we believe in our hearts, the promise, the gift of life is that you shall be saved. You shall have life now eternally and then life in eternity forever. 
This bubbling spring, come and, and drink, the Lord says to the woman at the well. And this, this water is living water. It's not cistern water that sits there living life through me. If you'll receive me, I will give you this bubbling brook that will pour over and it will change your life forever and you shall have life. Sometimes again, I think maybe in our Christianity and some of us have journeyed a long time and we've heard about salvation and life. But again, what about submitting? What about letting the Lord really be Lord of your life? We know he's Savior. We know he died for us. We know he rose again. That's true. But getting to the place where you say, yeah, he has, and now I go, Lord, I get out of the way and I let you lead my life. It's I who no longer live, but Christ in me. I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. So get out of the way and let Christ be Lord of your life. Boy, we Christians sometimes really want to hold on to our control and our leadership. Not only Savior, but Lord. For those of you who haven't received that wonderful gift of life, that relationship, it's Savior changing you forever, giving you life, and now it's letting Lord leave your life. Submitting to Him. Not even knowing quite how to do that. But saying, Lord... I'm taking the step of faith. Everything I've tried has fallen short. And you keep tugging on me, Lord. And so I surrender. One of my favorite bands, if not my favorite band, is U2. And many of the artists in, in U2 are, I think, uh, godly men. I think they know Jesus. Sometimes the rock star in them comes out on stage and you kind of wonder about that. But every time I get their, their new album that comes out, CD, whatever, MP3, um, their, their words are just so rich and deep. Here's one that's called Yahweh. Yahweh, I am. That's the title of their song. I love that just to begin with. Yahweh, take these shoes, click clacking down some dead-end street. Take these shoes and make them fit. Take this shirt, polyester trash made in nowhere. Take this shirt and make it clean, so clean. Take this soul, stranded in some skin and bones. Take this soul, and make it sing. Yahweh. Yahweh. Always pain before a child is born. Yahweh. Yahweh. Still I'm waiting for the dawn. So take these hands. Teach them what to carry. Take these hands. Don't make a fist. Take this mouth so quick to criticize. Take this mouth. Give it a kiss. Yahweh, Yahweh. Take this city, a city that should be shining on a hill. Take this city if it be your will. 
What no man can own, no man can take. And then he finishes the song with this. Take this heart. Take this heart. Take this heart and make it break. Yahweh. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord in all of our brokenness, in all of our need, acknowledging that we cannot do it, confessing, agreeing with God that Jesus is the only way, you shall be saved. You will stand unashamed before God. You will not fear, like Jack Nicholson says, that's why we fear death. There's no fear of death when you know you have life in Christ. You will stand not disappointed in who God is. And so this morning I want with us to have this opportunity. Paul could not shut up about it. You need to know Jesus is what he's saying. You need to finally realize, I did it all in all my work and, and, and God finally got a hold of me. Man, I was angry at God. Angry at these Christians saying that there's Life in Christ. Maybe that's where you've been, this angry journey. And God's still reaching out to you. And so I want us to have the opportunity together to receive Christ as Lord. And that as I pray, that you would pray this prayer in your heart, if this is where you're at today, a place that needs to confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in our hearts that he died for us and receive him as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm just going to take a few minutes to do that with you. And then we're going to have a worship band. We just want them to wash over us with words from the Lord to remind us of who we are in Christ. And then you don't need to stand up or raise your hand, but if you get to a place where you're like, Lord, I want you, I agree, then do come and and share the good news that I agreed with God for the first time. And let's share life together, the body of Christ, because you're in the family of God. So pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I, I have been running from you for too long. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for kicking against you, for rejecting you, for resisting your pursuit of me. Father, I need you. And this morning I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I agree with you, God, that you gave me your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for my sin. Thank you for that. Thank you that he rose again. And now I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, in my life. And I invite him in to my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart right now. Be Lord of my life. Take this shirt and make it clean. By the blood of your son Jesus, wash over me. Thank you for forgiving my sin, which I just can't deal with anymore.
Thank you for loving me right where I'm at. And Father, I surrender to you today. Lord Jesus, reign in me. I give you the throne. I love you, Lord Jesus. Here is my life. Thank you, dear God. Amen. The promise of God is that we belong. We belong to him as we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart because he loves you. For God so loved the world. For God so loved each and every one of us. That whoever should believe upon him should not perish, but have life everlasting. That's the good news. And the scripture goes on to say in Romans 10, and how can they know unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone's not sent to preach? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. As God has changed your life, the call from the Spirit on us is that we are beautiful feet going out. That people all over this planet are looking for life. Do you understand that? I tell you, a lot happens when I go get a haircut. But I show up again just two days ago, and here on the counter of this gal that I'm getting a haircut from uh, is this book, The Secret, which I've shared with you guys a long time ago. still out there. And so I said, well, tell me what the secret is. And then I got a chance to tell her what my secret is, which isn't a secret at all, that Jesus loves her, that this self-help book of somehow the power of positive thinking will not save your life. And she listened, and we let God do his work on her heart. I pray for her, I pray for her, I pray for her. Do you understand? We have this life in Christ in us, and he has changed us from within, and he has given us hope and life and peace, and so now we go out. How can they know? It's not some sort of evangelism program. Here's the steps on how to lead someone to Christ, and you better do all, all the steps, otherwise it's not going to work right. Let me remind you of what Peter reminds us of. Because people are asking the question, how can I be saved? Tell me what's going on in your life. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts... Set apart Christ as Lord. Always, when? Always. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, and they're going to, because your life is different. When they ask to give the reason for the hope that you have, because they see it in you. And then he goes on to say, do this in gentleness. Do it with kindness so that they can't slander you in Christ. Do you understand it's not formula? It's our life, living in Christ. But that we always have an answer because people are always wondering, what is it? And because Christ lives in us, not you, Christ, in us, people can't help but go, 
There's something different about you. And there will come a time, I guarantee it, where they will say, what is it? And so he's saying, be prepared to respond to that. Because people are longing for life. They just don't know yet that it's Christ. And we bring that. How beautiful is that word to say, you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. How beautiful is that word to say, all of that sin that you feel you can't get rid of is taken care of. That's you and me. It's not the professionals. It's not Luis Palau only and Billy Graham only. It's not just the pastors up here. It's the saints. You can't forget who you are in Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ, the Scriptures remind us. We are ministers of reconciliation, the Scriptures tell us. We are a royal priesthood together as a church bringing forth the good news of Jesus Christ. He says of you and me, we are salt and we are light. We're not becoming salt and light. We are now this day. And so we bring it with beautiful feet because they are beautiful. Thank you for bringing this news. I had not heard before. You think everybody's heard, but it's not true. They haven't. They've heard religiosity. They've heard the secret way to somehow make it happen. That we would have a passion that Paul had, a fervent prayer that they would be saved because it is life. And it's Christ's life in us. And we know how he's changed our lives and how he gives us life. And it's God's unrelenting passion. We see at the very end of this chapter 10, he says, oh, I stretched out my arms, my hands, but they're an obstinate people. And we know that's going to be true. People still are going to kick against and they're not going to hear and they don't want to hear. But we still bring it. And our life pours out on them. They can't help as they observe your life go, you know, I kept kicking against, I kept kicking against, but you reflected God's outstretched hands like the prodigal father who kept waiting. And so you need to know that God is at work in people's hearts. He is this morning. He is in your workplace, at your school. And we bring this good news that there is a way of salvation. Christ Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He rose again. And he offers you life. And if you believe upon him, you are covered in his blood. You are saved. Let's bring that good news. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for Paul, who you just just kept pouring out as he was even attacking you. You said, why do you keep going against me, Paul? That you turn his life upside down, Father, and and that you've done that for us who have believed in you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you that it's not in our strength, but in you alone, receiving you. And Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, You tell us that you've prepared good works in advance for us to step into. And so, Lord, through your Spirit, would you just open our eyes and and open our ears that we would hear where you're taking us because we know you're preparing hearts. We know that, that this is beautiful news for people who are dark and lost. So, Father, again, we just want to say this morning that we love you. 
We acknowledge you as our Lord and as our Savior. And Father, we want to live for you today. Thank you for the gift of life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.